All right, good deal. That still sounds pretty loud there, Dave. Anyway, thank you so much for coming today. It's a day of celebration, honoring Brother Brent and Sister Tracy. And let me just pause a moment. If you're here today in, like, family and stuff, would you all stand on your feet, please? Let's give them a big round of applause. All right, yeah. We are honored to have you guys. I know there are other guests who are going to be with us. Um, throughout the day, we've got a great activity. We'll talk about that at the end. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful time. So we're really excited about that. Well, as you know, uh, the month of February is the love month. All right? And I would like to personally pause and send my thanks to Hallmark um, for inventing this for us and getting all us husbands who are going to forget in trouble. Now, let me say this. Uh, Valentine's Day is about two weeks out, about 12 days out. And, man, listen, every year I say this, I really try to help you out, okay? Here's the deal. If your wife, for some reason, should say, Valentine's is not a big deal, and she says you don't need to get me anything, and, or you don't even need to get me a card, look at me. She's lying. Okay, she's lying. So, so don't think you're off the hook. You better go and get a card, if nothing else, and then up from there. I did this one time. Um, Judy said it wasn't a big deal. I took her at her word. And here came Valentine's Day, and I had nothing. And, you know, it was nothing, all right. So I went to Target the next day and got the card and a box of candy. And you know what she said? It's too late. <laughs> it's too late. So don't forget um, February 14th, Valentine's Day. And I thought it appropriate since all of that, okay, that would be appropriate to do a series on love. Um, for this month. And so we're going to be doing a series on love. Love is a big deal. Love is a big deal. Now, it's a big deal in the world. Of course, we're going to be talking about a different aspect of love, and that's God's love. Um, but it really is a big deal. It's a big deal in music. I mean, have you ever thought about all the songs and all the meanings? And all? I mean, if you Google love songs, there's like a zillion. And, and I need to apologize right now to our millennial friends because I'm fixing to introduce a few songs, a couple of three songs that were popular, and I don't know anything from your generation, okay? Uh, I, there were titles that I did not, there were, there were artists I didn't recognize. You know, I'm going, does that person even exist? Okay, so, so these songs are older, and that's because I am, okay? All right, so, so in 1955, a group called the, um, the Four Aces introduced a song that went something like this. You know, love is a many splendid thing. Da-da-do-do-do. Well, you know, you get the point, okay? So, so we were introduced to the idea and the concept that love was a many splendid thing. Well, that went well until 1964, and the Righteous Brothers revealed a new truth. And it went like this. You've lost that love and feeling, oh, that love and feeling. You lost that love and feeling, and it's gone, gone, gone. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, we were in trouble because we, we had lost the love and feeling. So to redeem us, okay, uh, I think, is it, I'm not sure there's a, yeah, Jackie DeShannon came out in 1965 with. What the world needs now is love. Sweet love. She's spot on, you know? So I love when music sets us up and then determines that we're going to need and then meets the need with what the world needs now is love, sweet love. And speaking of love songs, okay, um, Tony Bennett let the world know in 1962 
that he left his heart in San Francisco. And I want to let you know that I'm pretty sure I left my mind in East Africa. So if this sermon goes south, just show a little grace. Just show a little grace. You know, if you're visiting today, come back next week. It will probably be better. Okay? But anyway, so, so the series title is entitled Love. The series title is entitled Love Does. And the sermon today is entitled Love Does. And it comes from an author, uh, Bob Goff. And his, he's a lawyer. He's done some incredible work in, of all places, Uganda. And he's got some good stuff. He's a very talented writer. If you're not ready for this stuff, uh, you would probably value it. I might say it's incredibly deep, but boy, is it good. Because again, love is a big deal. Love is a big deal to the world, but love is a big deal to God. So he wrote a book entitled Love Does. And so we kind of borrowed that title to bring into the series and the sermon title um, today. So, um, and by the way, don't forget if you've got the version app, okay, you can pull that dude out and look in the lower right corner, hit that, and you'll see events. If you'll hit right there, you'll find all the sermon notes and everything right there um, in, your, in the worship app there. So I hope you'll pull that out. So R.C. Sproul, a great uh, preacher of our times, said this, in the New Testament, love is more of a verb than a noun. Now, I didn't do very well in English. Um, you can tell by the way I talk, okay? But I do know that a verb denotes action. It's an action, okay? And noun is a person, place, or thing, okay? And, and what R.C. Sproul is saying is that love is more of a verb. It's action than a noun. It has more to do with acting than feeling. That's kind of like our, remember our joy Definition, kind of the same thing. It has more to do with acting than with feeling. The call to love is not so much a call to a certain state of feeling as it is to a quality of action. So what we're going to do today, we're going to look at how love, biblical love, um, pans out. Now, there is, you know, I always use a lot of scripture. I don't apologize for that at all. But today really is a lot. And I'm not sure we'll get all the way through the message um, or not. But I hope you'll see this. You know, some of you guys are going to go out and, and you're going to get your wife a dozen roses. Um, and that's real nice. That's beautiful. But some of you will go and get your wife a bouquet. And a bouquet, of course, will be a combination of different kinds of flowers. Depends on your taste, okay? Well, I think probably I would describe this sermon today as a bouquet. It's a bouquet about love. Different aspects and what the Word of God um, says about love. Now, one thing I would say about love, and Bob Goff would agree, is one, love gives. Now, this is a long introduction. I know that, so keep that in mind. I'm aware of that. Love gives. Love gives. Um, Bob Goff says in his book, um, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. And he's right. He's right. Um, imagine with me um, in the state of Illinois that there are right at about a thousand Southern Baptist churches and missions. A little bit less than that, but right at a thousand churches and missions. And I want you to imagine for a moment a medium-sized church in a small city. And I want you to imagine a moment um, that that church, okay, this medium-sized church in a small city, um, has... You know, the gift of giving. And I want you to imagine that when the paper came out and listed the different giving numbers that this medium-sized church in a small city um, gave 
about $32,000 to home missions. And that was the largest gift in the entire state. So imagine a thousand churches, and imagine that medium-sized church in a small city being number one. And knowing that there's a whole bunch of churches that are bigger and richer than that church, you know. Um, I'm not sure that would be impressive as much as I hope it's inspirational. But imagine that happening. Uh, uh, imagine, imagine again, um, that medium-sized church in a small in a small city, imagine that church giving to international missions, missions in something called Lottie Moon. And, and imagine that that church, out of a thousand, okay, was number four in the state in its offering of almost $43,000 to the mission field, to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Imagine, if you will, suppose there's a horse race and there's a thousand horses in this race, and that would mean that small, that medium sized church in a small city. If that was in that horse race, there'd be three horses in front of them and 996 behind them. That's pretty, I mean, be, I, I don't know if that's impressive or not, but I would sure hope that that would be inspiring. So, so then you can imagine that, that what if this, this medium-sized church in a small city um, also happened to be number four in the state in giving to the state missions offering, helping fund the, the concept of reaching our state for, um, for the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and imagine you know, that church gave around $7,000 um, to that cause. And you, wow, that's just amazing, you know? You'd go, wow. And, and then imagine that medium-sized church in a small city. Imagine that that the church gave, gave a chunk of money to the cooperative program. And you say, cooperative what? I thought cooperative was when a bunch of farmers got together, okay, and pooled the resources. Well, that's kind of what happens. In the cooperative program, Southern Baptist churches around, around 42,000 of them, by the way, uh, give, you know, give money together, and they help fund missions, uh, international missions, and home missions, and, and seminaries, and all kind of things. I mean, it's an amazing thing. And, and again, imagine that medium-sized church in a small city. Imagine that it was able to give $86,000 to the cooperative program. Now, this is a little bit different than Lottie and Annie and all those guys because it's strictly based on, one, how much money the people give, okay? And two, what percentage or what amount does that church decide to give away? So imagine this medium-sized church in a small city. And, and it has a budget of about $700,000, and it decides that it's going to give away 11%. So 11 pennies out of every dollar goes out immediately to fund missions and, and seminaries and things like that. Imagine that. And imagine that even though there are a lot of churches with a whole bunch of big, bu bigger budgets than that medium-sized church in a small city, uh, you know, imagine that it was ninth in the state. Now, again, I don't know if that's impressive or not, and that's not the point. The point is, I hope it's inspirational. Jean and I were listening to a guy preach earlier this morning. She said, I want you to hear this. And he used that word inspirational. And I hope it would be inspirational. So you might be saying, well, who is this medium-sized church in a small city? And it's you. It's you. Love gives. Love gives. Yes, it's an amazing thing. But, but I also would tell you this. Not only does love give, love goes. Love goes. So tomorrow, two weeks ago, six people got on an airplane. Four of them from our church and two from Liberty um, got on an airplane and flew to Uganda, East Africa. Um, that's 8,600 miles one way. Yeah, let me say that again. 8,600 miles. 
Um, that's 17 flying hours, not counting layovers, flying hours one way. One way. There was a lot of gratitude when we landed in Evansville, and my bottom was very grateful. It was very grateful. Okay? So, so, so total miles, about 17,000 and something in 36 hours of flying time. And, and you say, okay, well, why, why do you do that? I mean, there's a lot to do here. And boy, you're totally right. There's a lot to do here. Why would you do that? Why would these four people do that? And why would two from Liberty do that? Well, first off, it's the mandate. I mean, Jesus said go. I mean, you know, I, we ought to do that. He said go. Okay. But the real reason is love goes. Love goes. It just does. Oh, if you could have seen the eyes of a young woman that Tim led to the Lord and we prayed against evil spirits over her life. If you could saw a woman come up to me after I'd shared in the morning worship service with tears streaming down her face saying, thank you, Pastor, thank you. If you saw 375-plus kids loved on by Melanie Reed particularly and some others who helped there. If you could have saw a chunk of women, well over 100, 150, 200 women, you know, being loved on by Ben and Judy, you kind of understand. Love goes. Love goes. Um, and, and about... Two weeks. Um, we're going to put some guys on a bus, and and we're going to drive them down to New Orleans, and they're going to be a part of a ministry that just happens to be entitled "No Greater Love, No Greater Love." And I tell you what makes this very unusual. You know, it's a long way to Africa, but there's something even bigger happening in New Orleans, and that is they're going to the to Satan's lair. They're going to the den of iniquity. They're not only going to New Orleans. They're going to be in, in the French Quarter during Mardi Gras. Okay, so come on. So why would you send a bunch of guys all the way to New Orleans in the most simple environment there is? Love goes. Love goes. That's what it does. I don't know if it's one or two yet. Um, I, I'm not in, I don't have that information. But at least one of our members in about two or three weeks is going to get on and get in a van with some people from First Baptist Church, and they're going to go all the way out to, to Arizona. And they're going to minister to a bunch of very impoverished uh, Indians out there. People, people, don't matter if they're Indian or not, people. And it's going to be hard. And it's going to be hot. Why do that? Because huh? love goes. Love goes. But as the sermon says, love does. Love does. Did you know every... Oh, once a month, on a Saturday or a Monday morning or sometime, some ladies gather in our kitchen, and they make cookies. Now, it's not that they have a passion for cookies. They have a passion for people. Because they take these cookies, and they put them in baggies, and they take them to people. Sometimes it's members of our church that are hurting. Sometimes it's visitors, and sometimes it's just folks that they know. And they say, we love you. That's just what, you know, love does. Love does. Um, you know, every Saturday during the months of February or January and February, you know, people get their time up for a bunch of kids to play basketball. And why would we do that? Because love does. In two weeks, Judy, actually it's about nine days, um, our church is going to give about 25 or 30, maybe a few more than that, uh, baskets of food out and it's a week's worth of groceries for families. And why do we do that? Well, love does. That's what love does. 
behind the scene. And you don't know, and I don't know often, is that we have this incredible benevolence ministry led by a man with an incredible heart. And literally thousands of dollars, thousands of dollars are given away to needy people. You know, we don't know that. We don't advertise that. But it happens. Why does that happen? Because love does. Love does. See, love gives, love goes, and love does. Now, now, um, David Wilkerson said, love is not only something you feel, it's something you do. Love is not only something you feel, but it's something that you do. Now, by now, you're probably going, hmm, okay, all right, I, I'm starting to get a picture here, and this sounds hard. This sounds hard. If, and you're going to see today that the mandate for us is to be a part of this love deal, okay? And that sounds hard. And you know it is. In fact, Bob Goff also said this, um, almost exactly. I changed it because I like my way better, okay? It's much easier to love people with our intentions than our actions. It's much easier to love people with our intentions than our actions. And then he goes on and says this. Simply put, love doesn't just think about it. Love does it. Love does it. So, so in 1 John chapter 4 and verse number 7, John writes this incredible scripture about this thing called love. And he starts answering and helping us with this idea that it's hard to love. That's hard to love. He says there, um, dear friends, he says, dear friends, let us continue to love one another. Now notice that, that it's happening. It's happening. And by the way, just in case you misconstrued, it's happening here. Someone say amen. It's happening here. Um, what happens at Dorisville, to God be the glory, is love in action. It's love in action, okay? It's not thinking about it. It's doing it. It's not thinking about it. It's doing it. So he says, continue to love one another. Now, here's the big helper. Here's the helper. For love comes from God. Because sometimes we say, I just can't do that, Dwayne. I'm not a loving person. Ask my wife. You know, I'm just not a loving person. Okay, well, hang on. Because this says that love comes from God. See, I told you this was big. Love is so big that, um, that it is our identity, okay? It's our identity with who we are in Christ. You know, when we go to Africa or when you go to the Bahamas or something for vacation, uh, you take along something called a passport. Passport. How many of y'all got your passport? Yeah, a bunch of you guys do. Yeah, well, you got a passport, okay? Now, this is why. Now, listen, more important than the money that we take or anything like that, okay, is this passport. Because this passport does two things. It, one, it tells who we are, our identity, and who we belong to. That we are citizens of the United States. Okay? Now, without the passport, we're going nowhere. You're done. You know, you walk up to TSA guy going to Africa, and he goes, where's your passport? I forgot it. Well, guess what? You ain't getting on the plane. So the passport is very, very important. And so is love. So is love. You're going to see today that love is our identity. Love tells us who we are. Who are we? We're children of God. If you've trusted Jesus Christ, if you're a Christ follower, you are a child of God. So your spiritual passport would say, I'm a child of God. Okay? And again, who we belong to. I'm a child 
God. So, so this love thing is like hugely important. Now, in 1 John 4.13, okay, now where we, you know, past where we're going, he says this, And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him, in he and us. Okay, so you might be saying, what does that have to do with love? Well, hang on just a minute, because remember it says, for love comes from God. It said that in verse 7, for love comes from God. Well, in verse 13, it says, so God's given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Why is that such a big deal? Because it helps us. It helps us. See, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, okay, this is a big one. You may know it, okay? But the Holy Spirit... Okay, the Holy, remember, we just read, we just read, um, God has given us his spirit as proof that we, that we live in him and he in us, okay? So, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, okay? So imagine yourself standing in the, in the produce department at Walmart or Kroger's or some other place, and all this fruit is laid out, okay? Well, what Paul does then is he starts listing the fruit that would be in our spiritual produce style, okay? And guess the first one he left. Anybody want to take a guess? Love. Love. So he doesn't say, so every believer has to produce this love. Ooh, that would be hard. I mean, I, we're just not that good. We're not that talented. So what Paul says then is that, that the Holy Spirit produces this love. Okay? So he's the one that produces it. Now, Jesus has a perspective. Okay, here's what he says in John 15, 5. The same thought and the same idea. He says, yes, I'm the vine, and you're the branches. Okay, so keep that in mind. Jesus is the vine, we're the branches. The vine's the one has got the roots, provides the nourishment, provides all of provides life. Provides life. Because you know, what happens if you cut a branch off? What happens? It dies. It dies. Okay, so Jesus says, you know, I'm the vine, you're the branches, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. So, so Jesus' perspective is, is that he's the source and we're the receiver. And what's going to happen is, is that we're going to produce fruit. And there's a debate kind of that could definitely be the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? And also can definitely be people being saved. Of course, when you live out the fruit of the Spirit, you see people saved. That happens. So, so Jesus just says, those who remain in me and I am will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. So, so how much can we do without Jesus? Nothing. Nothing. It's so big. It's so cool. So, so if we had to depend on ourselves to produce this love, we would be a loveless people. But we don't. Because God's given us his spirit. Okay? And the fruit of that spirit, number one, is love. And we're hooked up to the vine as a branch, and we receive his source and his life, and we have love to give away. Okay? Now, John now continues in the second part of verse 7. And now I want you to listen. This is really important. Anyone who loves, now keep in mind that's from a biblical view. That's not you, you know, in your seventh grade, you fall in love with a guy, you know. Oh, I just think he's wonderful. You know, or your your eleventh grade. Oh, I'm gonna marry him. It's gonna be a wonderful life. Not that kind of love, okay? Biblical love, Jesus kind of love, Jesus kind of love, okay? Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, okay? So so this this 
this identity is so strong that John boldly says, okay, here's the deal. If you got this love, you're a child of God. It's like the biggest evidence that you're a child of God. Okay? So then he goes on and says this. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God, God is love. So it's really cool. You know, you know, Paul doesn't say, or John doesn't say, that, you know, oh, um, if you can quote all the books in the Bible, okay, that's a mark, you're a believer. In fact, you know, it's really weird. He, he doesn't say, um, you know, if you know a lot. You know, there's a big push toward theology these days, and that's really wonderful, but you can be the best theologian and the worst Christ follower. You can be the most religious person and be the worst Christ follower. Okay? So, so the mark and the need is this thing called love. This thing called love. It marks us as a child of God. In fact, I wrote down, love is a DNA marker that we belong to Him. It's the, it's the, it's the tattoo on our hand. It's the, it's the necklace around our neck. It's the, it's the driver's license in our wallet. It's the passport that we keep in our saves that says we belong to Him. And here's the deal. If you're a Christ follower today, if you're a Christ follower, and you don't demonstrate love, you might have the wrong daddy. You might have the wrong daddy. Okay? Uh, here's what Jesus said. In John 8, 44, and this is a really good verse. Um, For you are the children... He's the, oh, I'm sorry. He's speaking to the religious Pharisees. He's talking about to the religious elite, okay? So he says, because they're rejecting him, he said, you are the children... Of your father the devil. You're, you're the children of your father the devil. And you, see, he mentions love. You love to do. Well, that sounds good, okay? But you love to do the evil things he does. See, Satan hates. Satan is bitter. Satan doesn't forgive. Satan is jealous. Satan is envious. You love to do the things that he does. Um, he was a murderer. Um, from the beginning, he has always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he is consistent with his character, for he's a liar and the father of lies. So it's really important. Now, now, now I need to make something clear. You know, I don't become a duck. Let's say you know, I was born weird, which probably that's true. Um, but let's say I was born weird and I wanted to be a duck. So what I do then is, as soon as I'm recognizing this need in my life, um, I start waddling. That's my tail. Okay? And then I go, wah, 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 wah. So hoping that eventually, if I waddle long enough and quack loud enough, I'll become a duck. Will that happen? Well, no. You don't have the DNA of a duck. You're a guy. Okay? Well, don't misunderstand that somehow, well, if I love enough... I'll become a child of God. No, that's called works. We believe in grace. Okay, we believe in grace. However, however, it is the DNA. By our nature, we should have the nature of God, and the nature of God is that He loves. That He loves. Okay. In fact, here's how here's how John describes it in First John four nine. He says, "Let this soak in. God showed how much He loved you." By sending his one and only son to the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Wow, what? Yeah, see, God buys in this love thing. 
God loves you so much by, that, he, that He sent His one and only Son to the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. I, we all love Romans 5, 8, you know. Um, but God showed His love. God showed His love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. He goes on and says, And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Wow. Wow. See, there is no day, no doubt that God loves you. Now, I know, I know, I know your circumstances go south, right? Your marriage goes south. The kids go south. You know, your job goes south. All that goes south. And I've told you this so many times. If you ever doubt the love of God, just go back here. Don't ever forget that. When, when you're in your darkest moment and your darkest hour in your life, okay, and you're really doubting, can God really love me, okay, just go back here. Because God sent his son to die on a cross so you could have eternal life. And once you receive that, it's forever a, what Louis Gigolo calls the megaphone of love. The megaphone of love. So God demonstrated his love toward us now while we're still sinners. Christ died for us. And then John goes on and says, verse number 10, so this is real love. This is the real deal. Not, not that we love God. So it's not like we were so, so good and gooey and perfect that God said, oh, I just love them. They're so good. No. No. In fact, you know, this is real love. Not that we love God. But he loved us. That was in one of the songs we sang this morning. Not that, that we love God, that he loved us and sent his son. Um, and again, I occasionally go, I really, I'm using the New Living today because it's practical and easy to understand. But I didn't like this translation of these words. He sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. I didn't like that word, a, a sacrifice. He's the sacrifice. He's the propitiation. He's the atoning sacrifice. He was the wrath sponge. As he, as he was nailed to the cross... And he, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, um, that he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. And all, as he's becoming sin, all the wrath of God that we deserve was poured out on him. That's, that's wild. Amen? Is that not, don't, don't, don't like miss this. It's like so big, okay? So he showed his love, sent his sons a sacrifice to take away our sins. I really like what Rick Warren says. Um, Rick Warren says this. God just didn't say he loves us, okay? He acted upon his love. He said, in effect, I'll do anything I can to bring you home to heaven, even if it means my only son dying on the cross. Wow. So, so if you ever doubt God loves you, just remember the price he paid um, for our salvation. Now, C.S. Lewis said this, and I thought about it make sure I liked it, and I did. You know, the Christian does not think God will love us because we're good. The Christian understands that God does not love us because we are good, but that God will make us good because he loves us. And he did make us love. Remember? He, you know, he knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. It was like a crazy trade. You know, G Jesus said, give me your sin and I'll give you my righteousness. How awesome and incredible is that? So it goes on in verse number 11. So, dear friends, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. 
So when we begin to understand how much he loves us and how he loves us, it becomes easier to love one another. A person who's experienced love like this can give love like this. The easier and deeper we understand it, the better that it is. Now, 1 Corinthians, of course, that's the love chapter, okay? 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3 um, talks about the absence of love. The absence of love, okay? Now, I wrote this down. Love without action is impossible. I should say, biblical love without action is impossible, okay? And action without love is improbable. So, so love without action is impossible, and action without love is improbable. It's improbable. So here's how Paul describes it. And this is 1 Corinthians 13.1. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Now, if I had the gift of prophecy... And if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all the knowledge, and if I had all the such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. So all the activity that we do without love is meaningless. It's meaningless. It's nothing. I was befogged a few months ago when Burger King came out with the impossible Whopper. Now, I was introduced a long time ago to Whoppers. I was probably about six, seven, eight years old, um, 1963, four, something there. Uh, Brent was busy being born probably around that time. And... Um, Whoppers were 49 cents. 49 cents. And it kind of looked like that right there. As a matter of fact, it looked really good. Okay? Okay, but at the heart of a Whopper is the beef patty. Okay. So these guys come along, and they at least named it appropriately. Okay? They named it the Impossible Whopper, and they put a vegetarian, you know, Nita would love this, the vegetarian patty. That's supposed to be all plant-based. So they, they take the heart of the Whopper and take it out and put a, a plant in it and call it a Whopper. And I agree with them. That's impossible. I don't know what you've got when you put plants inside of a Whopper and call it meat, but it's impossible. Oh, come on. I mean, what if you had a pecan pie? You know, you put all the syrup and the gooey in and all that. You put some pecan flavoring, and then you go down to Hobby Lobby, and you buy some wax-shaped pecans. Call it what you want, but it's not a pecan pie. Call yourself what you want, but if not love, you're an impossible Christian. You're an impossible Christian. In fact, the word might be imposter. Love's that essential. I mean, you know, you know, church, all that stuff's so cool. But love is gutsy. Love is risky. Love is at the heart of who we are as Christians. 
So in verse 12 he says this. So no one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. Okay? Let me read that again. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us. That's the evidence. And his love is brought to full expression in us. His love is fully exposed in us. And fortunately, our friend Paul comes along in verse, uh, chapter 13 and writes a description, a full expression of the love of God. Okay? And it was like this. You had it at your wedding, probably. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every situation. Love never fails. That's the full expression of God's love. So, so this is not something we just need to have read at our wedding. It's something that we need to live out every day. But we don't have to manufacture We've heard this. We don't have to manufacture it. Okay? It's the fruit of the Spirit that, that God gave us the Spirit, and along that comes the fruit aisle, and the fruit aisle, all these fruits, and one of them is love. We simply have to let it out. Um, Augustine um, said this, What does love look like? What does love look like? Um, it has the hands to help others. It has the feet to hasten to the poor and needy. Um, it has eyes to see misery and want. It has the ears to hear the sighs and sorrows of men. That is what love looks like. Amen. That's right. And I want you to know, I'm, I'm so proud that so many of these characteristics are in you. I mean, I'm, you know, Brent and I both, we're celebrating, you know, really in Brent, but, but your staff is proud to serve here with you. The, the reputation that Dorsville has in the state is incredible. We don't know it. Okay, you don't see us on the front pages of the Illinois Baptist. But our name is known. And that's not to brag, to, but to say, I hope we're an inspiration to other churches to show what love looks like. Well, there's one more benefit of love I want to share with you, and that's over in Peter. And here's what Peter says in 1 Peter 4, 8. He says, most of all, so I use the biggie, okay? Most of all, um, we, are, we are to continue to show deep love for each other, okay? For love covers a multitude of sins. I won't sing anymore, um, but there is one more song. And that is love will keep us together. Love will keep us together. So, so we're, we're in Africa, and we're viewing, touring Watoto. And while Toto, um, the tour guide, you know, he recognizes something. Number one, we're all old. Okay? Every person on the team was over 60. Okay? Of course, I know you can't tell that by me, but with Ron and Tim, it was very obvious. The ladies, the ladies stuck by. Okay? Um, so we're old. And then number two, we're all grandparents. Okay? We not only have kids, we got kids who make kids. Okay? So we got grandkids. Um, and number three is, all of us have been married over 40 years. That, now, come on. You're supposed to go, wow. Yeah. Woo-hoo. 
Yeah, so, so anyway, so he was really impressed, you know. He was really impressed, and by the way, she and I have been married the longest, even though we look the youngest, you know. Um, so anyway, and so he goes, so how do you do that? How do you do that? Well, I don't, I don't you know, I've got, I, you know, I said, well, well, Ron brings the mail, you know. He's a retired postman, so he brings the mail in his marriage, you know. And Abena said, well, you make a promise, and you don't break a promise. And I said, I don't have a clue. I don't have a clue. I'm married to a lady she can live with, you know, and she's very tolerant of me. I don't have a clue. Well, so anyways, I get home pooed, and so I'm thinking about this as I'm preparing this message, and I said, that's it. It's our song, but it's our mantra. Love will keep us together. Now, love will keep us together. Love covers a multitude of sins. You know the secret to a happy church is? Or two, actually. You know the secret to a unified church? Which, by the way, I think we're pretty cool on that. What is that? Well, one, I think service. The more we serve others, the happier we are. It's only when we stop serving that we look inward that we get selfish and self-centered and all that stuff. And that's never good. But I think love is the other. We're, just learn- we're learning to love each other. And love will keep us together. So over the next uh, four more weeks, um, and believe me, there's, you say, Wayne, can you think of something to say about love? You seem to say it all. Well, the Bible's got a whole lot about love, and, and again, it's a big, big, big topic. So yeah, I think we'll pull this one off okay, you know, with, with a little help from the Holy Spirit. Um, yeah, it'll be okay. Um, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. Um, as we journey the next four weeks, and we look at different aspects and angles um, of love, I want to challenge us, okay, to soak it in. You know, just like I told you Jesus was the wrath sponge, that he just absorbed the wrath of God. You know, I'm praying that we'll absorb these truths later on. Um, and as we as we journey together um, through this year and through whatever God has for us in the future, uh, that we will continue to be that church of love, but never being satisfied growing more. I hope it'll bleed over to our, our marriages. I hope it'll lead over to our parenting with our kids. I hope it'll change in our, how we view our neighbors and our bosses and all of that. Really hope, hoping that love. Now, so we come down now to our decision time. Okay, we always want to give you an opportunity to act on what you heard. Okay, so my first thing is this. So if you're here today, and we do have several guests, and we're so glad that you're here, but if you've never experienced this love from God, you know, the one I talked about where God still loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, and given that son meant him being ro- nailed to a Roman cross and bleeding and dying willfully for our sins because the, the payment for sin is death, and God wanted to give us eternal life, so he allowed his son to die, Jesus willingly died, and, and then that paid the price for the sin. If you've never experienced that, my friend Brent's going to be standing. You don't get totally off today, bud. Okay? My friend Brent will be standing down front, and um, he'll be glad to tell you a bit more about Jesus. And I'm telling you, um, it's, it's a great decision. Amen? Can you hear me in there? Following Jesus is great. It really is. He's there in the good times and there in the hard times. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. You know, there's a song about that. His love never lets go, never runs out on me. That's his love. So that's my first part. And the second part is, um, maybe today God spoke to your heart about love. 
and you realize that you might just be lacking in this. Not that it's lacking because it's in you, but you're not expressing it. Why don't we do this? Why don't we just ask God this morning to speak to our hearts and say, God, okay, this is an area that I need. Would you speak to my heart over the next series of four weeks? Speak to my heart, Lord, and help me be a better lover. Help me to be more like you um, in my life. And again, we can pray with you about that. The altar is going to be open. We'll have some counselors down here who would love to pray with you. If there are any other decisions, might be baptism or church membership or the like, this would be a time for you to come. Um, we have a closing song, a closing worship song, and then we'll get ready to celebrate. All right? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Well, Father, we sure thank you. Man, what a privilege today to share these truths. What a privilege. I am overwhelmed with your love for us, and we are, and we are. We know we don't deserve it. It's not that we were good and you loved us. We were lost and condemned. And as Isabel's song said, we were running that hell-bound race. And the only thing that stopped it was you intercepted us. You intercepted us and offered your love and your pardon for our sin. And we are so grateful for that. So thank you for loving us today. If there's someone here, either on the radio or Facebook Live or in this room, who needs that, that wonderful gift of, of love, would you please speak to our hearts today? Uh, and then God, over the next four weeks, uh, speak to our lives. Speak to our lives. And Jesus, we pray this in your precious name.